0: Thank you all for listening to Ongs. Today, I don't have a guest and it's just me. So today, this is Ben's songs. I've I've been thinking a lot about milestones as I've come up on a year of doing this podcast. Um, and, and that was a big deal for me. And I, I made a post about it. And I put that post on my real Facebook page too. Um, I I've mentioned this to several guests where I don't have my name attached to this podcast. I freely will talk about it with people, but it's not something that you could search my name and find it. And I don't always like the focus to be on me. I love to create. I love to make things with people. I love to perform. I love to teach. But I don't want it to be about me. Um, I've taught improv up in Alaska at the Sitka Fine Arts Camp. Shout out to Sitka Fine Arts Camp. That was like 10 or 11 years of my life every summer. Um that was wonderful. It it definitely shaped me and it shaped a lot of people that went through that campus too. Um, but I used to teach improv up there and sketch comedy and whenever it would come time to perform, I would get as far away from the stage as possible. I'd be like in the lighting booth or something like that. And I would tell the kids, look, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you everything I can, but when it comes time to perform, I'm not going to be up there. I'm not going to introduce your show. I'm not going to have you guys introduce me or say anything about me. It's all you. So if it goes wrong, it's all on you, but if it goes right, it's all on you as well. Um and that's that's very much how I view my role. Is I want to support people. I want to build them up so that they can do their best, that they can show themselves. Um in in this medium in this environment of doing a podcast I allow the guests to to share themselves and to share what they have to say and I I try not to overstep too much I'll push where I feel like I should but typically I just let people talk I just let them talk so that they can fully get ideas out because I think we we have such a hard time really being heard. And I, and maybe that's, this is a thought that just happened for me. Maybe that's the reason that we're so excited for podcasts and in these long form interviews, even though this isn't that long, but when you hear people talk about new media and you have these spaces that are just so much quieter and so much longer that you can hear somebody really develop a thought and really express themselves uh, instead of, just so many people talking in a circle uh I was in a meeting at work today, and there there are thirty adults in one room, and at some point everyone's talking at the same time, and you're all overlapping, and you realize everybody just wants to be heard, or they realize that it's so much noise and chaos that you you don't have to you don't have to listen to anybody, so you can just talk to the person next to you and you can kind of disengage. But I want people to be heard. And I want this to be a, an environment to to maintain that environment of people being heard. So all of that to say, I don't always seek being heard. Um I I think I think I have this tendency to to shrink into the background because it's safer. It's safer in the background. It's safer to not Create. It's safer to not stick your neck out. Uh, it's safer to not make a choice, but it's not nearly as fulfilling. I was listening to an interview with this uh, this athlete, I guess, endurance athlete. Uh, he walked across Antarctica by himself with like a sled carrying all of his stuff, and he didn't have sled dogs, but he had a sled that he carried everything on. And he would talk about why he does these extreme. Events, uh, these extreme uh, missions or goals or things that no, nobody's done before or that very few people have done. And he was saying, Well, most people, and it's so hard to speak in generalities, but there, there are people that live their lives in the middle on a scale of one to 10. You have a lot of people that will live their lives around four to six or three to six where your lowest low is it's it's low it's a three but that's not awful that's not like this extreme pain this extreme sense of loss and and then on the reverse you your highest high is a six of like I, i don't know a raise at a job or or a car's a new car that you bought, like they're these proud moments. But if you lop off the top and bottom of that and you don't live life as fully as you should or as you could, it makes those really big moments, those really important moments, less meaningful. Because then if you've lived your whole life at a six and then you have a kid, what is that a six or does that go higher than that? Or do you not know the parameters of what true true joy, true excitement could be? And do you not know the parameters of what true loss or true pain or true suffering could be? I can look at these moments. I could, I could pinpoint so many different moments of true pain that I have caused myself or that I have had happen to me from other people. Um, But even so, even looking through it like that, I always tend to try to take as much responsibility for my actions as possible. But I look through those moments and go, yeah, that was a really hard time. Nothing bad was happening, but I had sunk into a place, into a thinking of not being a person of worth or not being a person worth listening to or having value and that established a, a bottom. That established my lower end of, of living. And then I look at the other side of that, of that pure joy, and I, I have a hard time finding what my happiest moments are. I really get excited for other people succeeding. I really love watching my friends succeed. Uh, I love watching somebody happy about something that I've gotten to be a part of. Uh, I love performing and doing improv because I enjoy watching somebody laugh at something that I've done. I don't just enjoy doing it because I enjoy doing it. I want to make somebody feel happier, better, or thinking deeply. I want to affect people with the things that I do. And I think about that with the art that I create, too. I I make I make things out of wood, and I want to make things that are interesting and unique, I feel like I have done that. And I have i was talking to somebody today about a piece that I had created that was really, it, it was fun to make. And uh, it was a beer advent calendar. And it was something that was commissioned, they commissioned me to do. And I drew up the plans. I made all the measurements. I bought all the materials and I did not do a good job of adding those materials together. But then I made this thing. And it looked really cool, and it was functional, and I know all the little mistakes on it. But I I got to make that, and I got to make that uniquely for that person. And that goes back to this idea of collaboration, of I need people to collaborate with uh, because I can't create, or I struggle to create on my own because I have limitations. I stop myself. I can always hear my own voice and go, eh, "You're meandering. You're you're not sticking to a point, or the it, or it's just not interesting." I I tend to think others are more interesting than myself, and there's there's a real value to that. I don't want to dismiss that as something that is a weakness. Uh, it it can have a really Dangerous component to it if it's not kept in check. But I think there's a level of um, self denial there that I I think can be healthy of valuing other people more than myself. Um, And I, I hear myself saying that and I know what the argument can be, but I want to see people succeed so much that I will try to help them succeed. I will try to help them in whatever way I can. And sometimes. I realized I realized this last year that I was doing this thing where uh, somebody would tell me about an issue that they have and I'd be like, oh, you know who you should talk to? And I'd try to point them towards somebody, but it wasn't the right person to point them towards. If it was a health issue or if it was a uh, a job desire that they had, I would point them kind of slightly, slightly off from where they were going and just because I desperately wanted to help them. And it turned into more of a negative thing than a positive thing, uh, because my my help was a little misguided. Um, but I, I kind of learned that this year of my desire to see others succeed can be off. It can be a little desperate. <laughs> uh, this is it's so odd to me to to sit in a room and and just talk just discuss just to see what's happening. If there's nobody else pointing back at me, because I'm in this position that I've always been in doing this podcast, but there's nobody on the other side looking back at me, nobody there acknowledging whether or not what I'm saying makes sense or being able to take something in the direction that I, that they want to take it in, uh, in a direction that's going to be beneficial to the overall show, the quality of the show. So, how do I do it? I'll I'll ask myself a question. Hmm. I live I live in Los Angeles. Here's my question to myself: um, Why do you live in Los Angeles? Okay, great question. I live in Los Angeles because I didn't know where else to go when I had graduated high school. My I, I've mentioned this before. My parents encouraged me to not go to college because it was pretty clear that I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to go to culinary school. I wanted to go to an acting college. Uh, not a good one, but an acting college nonetheless because they were going to give me $5,000 to live in New York um, and pay 30000 a year, probably more. And Or I wanted to be a, a psychologist. And they're like, our friend does that. And I don't think it's what you think it is, but I, I was just so lost because I saw all these potentials and I'm like, I could do any of those. I could do any number of these different jobs and I could do them so well. I could do them better than anybody. I was very, very much living in my head in a way that I was like, man, I'm pretty awesome. If somebody would just give me the opportunity, if I could get on stage, somebody would see how amazing I am. If I could just get on that psychologist couch, psychiatrist's couch, people would see how good I am at helping others. If I could just be in that kitchen, I could cook something really well. I never worked in a kitchen. I worked in a restaurant as a server and as a host, worked my way down to being a busboy. Um but but all that to say to go back to um I I moved out to Los Angeles because that's that had the opportunity to act. And since that was something that I, I wanted to do or kind of wanted to do or didn't know anything else, that was a good place to start. Uh, and, and my brother was already out here. So I, I moved out here with him. And I just slowly found my way. I slowly found my way. And I hated Los Angeles. I hated when people would talk about how they would corrupt me because I was a Christian and they're like, Oh, this city's gonna get you. We'll we'll corrupt you for sure. And and they didn't they they didn't corrupt me in in the sense of like losing my faith or in this sense of making me hate everything about my my childhood or feel like I was um what would you what would you call it repressed they didn't they didn't do that and I don't know why that's such a point of pride for people to be like oh I'll 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 taint you um I'll corrupt you just the the flip side of that I'll make you such a prude uh, i'll I'll make you so responsible this city's gonna make you so responsible make you so mature and uh, and modest oh man, when I'm done talking to you, you're gonna be so modest after this it's it's dumb it's dumb to to hear it from both sides but why why is that i I digress I didn't like the city because of that mentality and because of the mentality that everybody knew how this city worked and how to get ahead. But so few make it and they all make it for different reasons and they find their niche and they do such a great job of that. And then everybody's like, oh yeah, let's, let's all run that lane. Uh, the lonely Island, Andy Sandberg and Yorma and Akiva. Uh, those three did something really amazing through the internet and through channel one Oh one. And that led them to creating films and being on Saturday night live. And they're all doing very well. Now they're, they're well established at this point. Um, but once they did that, everybody's like, Oh, that's, that's a great way to do it. But you never know where the next person's going to make it from. And everybody, again, everybody has this idea. This is what you've got to do to make it. And like how do you how do you create consistency and how do you create good work that can last and isn't trying to be somebody else? And and are you just making to to make something so that somebody can recognize you? Are you making something because you're like, This is good. I think this is really good. Uh, I like the word verisimilitude, and I like it for the the, the sense of uh, I'm going to make I'm going to make the verisimilitude of something good. This has all the trappings of a good piece, but it's not. It's not a good piece. I didn't like L.A. for all of those reasons, and it was dirty. There were a lot of cars and it was dirty and I wasn't doing anything that was all that fulfilling minus improv. Improv was the, the most fun. And the the best thing that I got to do. So eventually, I moved up to Portland, Oregon. And my story—I've told it many times—but I've lived in. As an adult, I lived in three different states, and whenever I moved away from Los Angeles, it was for a girl, which was only twice. I moved up to Portland for a girl, but that quickly—I quickly realized that that wasn't going to pan out. But I was so excited to get out of Los Angeles. I was so excited to get out of Los Angeles. Because I just didn't like it. I didn't like the culture of it. Um, And Portland was such a cool city. And it was a city where I got to establish everything on my own. I didn't know anybody up there. The girl that I had moved up there to pursue, I I saw that that wasn't going to work out. So when I got up there, we actually didn't see each other for like the first month and a half. And then we had coffee and it was like, oh, this is nice. And that was it. But that city became my city because I didn't have family that lived up there. I didn't know people up there. And I got to establish everything. The The coffee shops that I went to, I just started drinking coffee up there. The coffee shops that I went to were coffee shops that I found on my own or through friends that I made up there. The church that I went to, I found through friends. and it, And I didn't have this connection, this deep connection to it where somebody is holding my hand through it the friends that I had, I found those friends. And there, there was such a, a sense of accomplishment there where I could step out on my own where I didn't have to do that before because I, even though I moved out to Los Angeles, I moved in with my brother and just kind of watched what he did and slowly was guided towards different, different avenues. And though I succeeded in those avenues or pursued things in those avenues, it didn't feel like it was totally mine. I never felt... A sense of having to work very hard at it. So privileged to say. When, when I was up there, establishing myself as a person, going, I went to college for a year up there. I realized how like, that that was that was my life, at like an eight. Because I saw my faith growing and I saw God moving in ways that I had not experienced before. And a big part of that was because I was seeking it and open to it. And when I moved back down to Los Angeles, it was for a job opportunity. And I, I didn't want to come back, but it made so much sense too. And there was a sense of obedience in moving back as well. That really really opened itself up as I got down here and had some had some kind of wild moments of seeing see this is the the faith side coming out, which I even hesitate, um, but seeing God opening up doors and opportunities for me and seeing what trust looks like i I watched as a job fell through and then through patience and trust because I'm like, well, I think there's another job right behind that. And as I'm praying, I'm hearing that there's another job behind that. I watched this thing open up that became the job that I have now in such a cool way. Uh, I I was so grateful for that. And and moving back to LA, that, that second time I was out here, it was like, this is... This is a really cool city. I get to pursue improv and I get to pursue teaching. And I I've really enjoyed teaching and learning how to talk to kids and seeing how a child sees the world and what's exciting to them and what is confounding and what is uh, devastating to them. Which uh, a child's problem... A, a a non-issue problem is just, it's so sweet and you have to take it so seriously because they do like it's so cool to see a child grow and for them to understand how how complicated the world can be or, or really how simple it can be because maybe the world's not that complicated maybe it's just like we should look each other in the eyes more I don't know I feel like half of this is Half of this is me telling a story of how I keep moving back to L.A. And half of it's me doing like a, a half-hearted uh, TED Talk or a, what, what do you call the guy? A Tony Robbins encouragement seminar. Maybe it is. Getting to work with the, the kids was so uplifting. And, and I got to play a lot too. That was a lot of fun. Getting to play basketball with little kids was really cool because I was finally tall. I was finally the tallest one. Despite not being a very tall man, I'm taller than a first and second grader. That's for sure. Uh, so I was out here that second time and I was out here for like eight years, maybe. Maybe that's too long. Seven years, six years, seven years. And I really enjoyed it because I was, I was finding my footing and I was growing up. Uh, I was still very much a a man that didn't have a lot of responsibility. And when I moved out to Ohio, it was a really hard move because I was hesitant and I was following what I thought I should do instead of what I knew I should do, I guess. Um, But being out of LA that time, like it was really, it was really challenging because I saw myself giving things up in Los Angeles that I didn't want to give up uh, through community, through my job, and and through, through my creativity as well. And I found those things in Ohio, but it wasn't the same kind of establishing that was in uh, Portland. Because at this point, I knew that I could establish myself anywhere. I knew that I could learn how a culture works, how a community works, how to fit into different things. I knew how the improv scene worked to jump into that. I knew how churches worked. To get plugged in, or in that case, to not get plugged in, to isolate and to distance myself. Um, But uh, eventually I moved back to Los Angeles and I've been out here for two years now, almost two years. And it's been wonderful because I'm finally feeling that maturity I'm finally feeling like I have grown and like I'm actually stepping into something beyond what I thought was possible. Like I, I can, I can step up in certain situations that I couldn't have stepped up before. It, the a dumb, a dumb one, but it's meaningful to me is I'm scheduling people. It stressed me out so much to schedule somebody, but now that i've been able to do it for several months it's it's seeing what leadership looks like on such a small scale of leading somebody in terms of scheduling them and that's that's huge for me where i would have just totally avoided that for forever and one of the reasons that i'm doing it is because i know i hate it and because i know it stresses me out but in a way that it shouldn't cuz it's so minor but it's allowing me to take on more responsibility and allowing me to step into a, a, a larger role instead of waiting for, for people to recognize how talented I am or how smart I am. Um, I'm actually stepping into showing what I can actually do, allowing myself to be judged uh, on one episode of the podcast. I talked about young writers and there's a tendency for young writers to not write something down and then read it verbatim. They they like to, to sugarcoat it or put a bunch of other things around it or just speak their idea out loud because their idea can't be judged if it's not written down. You can constantly shift it if you don't get the reaction you like. I was doing that. I was constantly setting myself up for being amazing because I wasn't I wasn't really responsible for anybody. Um, I wasn't really in a leadership position. So if I'm leadership ad- adjacent, I can fail somebody. But it's like, ah, I wasn't leading you though. So what'd you expect? Uh, it's the same thing. I'd, I never really charged for for things. If I was um, teaching an improv class, I wouldn't charge. because I, Because I didn't like charging, but also it made it safer. Because if it was a bad class, it's a bad class. What well, well, what were you expecting? You're not paying anything for it. There were there were all these mindsets that I didn't realize were childish, and I didn't realize were were young. That now I've matured beyond and matured past to a place of true ownership of who I am and what I'm called to do. Um. I have a really great life that has things that i want i want I want other things I want more in my life i I want to pursue I want things in my life I want a family uh, I want a a wonderful wife, not one of those crappy ones and I'm really happy with where I'm at right now. And that's going to change in a week for sure. Something's going to happen and I'm going to be devastated. But I, I want to keep growing and I get really down on myself. But ultimately, I realize that I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful for all the things that I have and for all the people that are around me, all the people that encourage me to to do a, a podcast um, and all the people that want to be on it. Uh, for all of the guests that have already been on, thank you so much. I don't, I don't think you all realize how grateful I am that you sat down to talk with me and sat down to create with me because my thinking is, man, I'm just, uh, I'm just a little kid sitting under his bed waiting, waiting for somebody to talk to me and go like, yeah, you're doing a good job. I love having those moments where somebody builds me up and I'm like, but I look up to you. Um, I'm just endlessly grateful for for people in my life that do amazing things and get to hang out with me as well. So for all of the guests that have been on, thank you so much. Uh, it's just, it's wonderful to get to to talk and create with you. Um, I've I've talked for like as long as I possibly can because now I gave you that, I gave you a story arc of moving to LA, moving away and then moving back. And now I'm in a, a place of growth, maturity, uh, I got rid of all my stuffed animals. Oh, that was a big one. But that was because I just kept moving. I don't remember when I got rid of those. That's dumb. I gave you a story arc of beginning moving to L.A., middle moving away from L.A., moving away from L.A., and end moving back. Uh, And I'm finally at a place of maturing. And I say finally... And I instantly want to redact that because I, it's not a finally. I'm realizing that I'm always going to be growing. I'm always going to be striving for the next thing. I'm, I, I want to read more. I want to take in more. I want to be with people more who will challenge me to, to do better, to be better, and to seek after God more. Because ultimately that's where my life is pointed towards. And I don't talk about that a lot on this podcast. I, I feel like I mentioned it quite a bit, but I don't talk about that, but I, I think about it all the time and I do start my mornings just in a real hazy prayer of being grateful. And over the last few weeks, seeing how that has affected me into seeing how much I really have. And in the words of my oldest brother, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, I'm going to make some music.
1: This town is new to me I'm not the same, I'm not as young as I was I can be whatever my focus is on I'm not gonna corrupt myself gonna make myself modest I'm not gonna give into this town But make it what I I'm waking up a new, oh, I'm gonna learn something better instead of picking up a new task. I'm gonna be a better version of me. I'm not gonna. I will strive for the bottom of the path I will strive to be responsible With all that I've been given I can be great if I just get out of my own way I can be great if I just let myself stay I can be great If I just take some stress Off my plate I can strive for more If I just put myself In responsible ways I can be great If I just step Towards responsibility I can be great
0: Thank you all again for for listening, and it was fun to make a nice cheesy song. Uh, I this is the the time where I get to tell people what I'm up to, and I I'm I'm making a podcast, and beyond that, I I do other things too. Uh, I'm an improviser, and I get to perform around town whenever uh, I'm invited to, and whenever I connect with those people that are performers, it's it's a true joy to get to perform on stage and to make people laugh and to challenge people on stage too. Uh, it's, there's a nice chaos to it. Um, I also make music surprise, surprise. I make music and I'm, I'm going to at the end of this, uh, put a song that I wrote and was produced by Freddie Ruxpin, uh, AKA lumpy. And it's a song about St. Francis of Assisi and his what he called his brother ass which was his fleshly self um the thing that tied him to being human and he hated it because it was a thing that made him lust and made him crave uh food in a gluttonous way and it made him tired and it made him fail um but it was also the thing that showed him what what made him human and what made him lovable in god's sight and also, just what 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 gives us true joy is that understanding that we have these negatives, uh, we have these things that we want to push against, and we want to just be better at. But we we also have to enjoy the journey and enjoy the failure because the failure helps us grow. the The strength comes in stretching the muscle. Uh, thank you to to Lumpy and Freddie Ruxpin. As always, thank you all for listening to Ongs.
1: Francis, my brother, is holding me back Holding me tight to my sins Making my flesh burn for what I want Lustfully filling my bones, pushing back hard to see in the light, drags his feet as I grow. Francis, how'd you do it, man? I'm afraid my brother will win, when I vow. I'm running my penance and strike Keeps my brother in check Despite what I feel, still pushing the guide. Keeps my brother in check Stripping down cold and hungry as hell Keeps my brother in check Diseased and exhausted My brother is keeping me in with now